Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cats. Oh, fuck. I haven't fucked that up in a while. Dude, I know. I'm kind of glad you did. <laughs> Gotta get one more. <laughs> Alright. Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today we're going to look at the black market organ trade and sell our kidneys on the dark web. Yeah, man. I got my tour browser open. I'm looking at prices. We're all ready to go. Dude, my bathtub's already full of ice. <laughs> Let's fucking rock and roll, dog. Fuck yeah. Uh, first, though, how was your week? Man, it's been it's been okay. Been at this uh, dumb, boring job. I, I think in like over eight years, this is probably the longest amount of time I have to wear pants. <laughs> like, that seems like such a small thing, but like six hours into this like office job, I'm like ready to start tearing off my clothes. I'm like going crazy, man. But uh, it's pretty chill. Um, I just, I come home and I just want to do cocaine and watch Fear Factory. I've been on a Fear Factory <laughs> kick. <laughs> it is oh, is that because of the job, or that's just that's just your mood lately? I think that's it, your aesthetic lately. I think it's just the aesthetic lately, but I the, <laughs> I think there's something to Fear Factory. It just makes me want to do coke too. So I don't know, man. It's just been a. You, you know what? You said Fear Factory. I'm thinking Fear Factor with fucking Joe Rogan. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shit is. Isn't is Fear Factory a movie? Uh, there's a bad band. Oh, that's maybe what it is. Yeah. But uh, things have been chill. Um, my sister gave me a really cool uh, notebook. You know, I always keep a notebook with me all the time. It's like a moleskin notebook, but it has the Van Gogh uh, smoking skeleton on, on it. So that's Lord. really fun. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Um, It's been um, not as rowdy as my last week was. Um, it's been, uh, just me unboxing shit and getting packed up. I'm still burning the candle at both ends pretty hardcore. Um, um, I'm up early and I start, you know, doing little shit like moving stuff around the house and then, um, I go to work and then I'm, I come home and I do the same shit until, you know, after midnight and then try to go to sleep and do it again. And it's, it's not so bad. Because because I'm exhausting myself, I sleep really good. Yeah. Like, at least I sleep in a deep sleep. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, I can't not, I can't, yeah, I can't not wake up at like 6.30 or 7 o'clock lately. And it's way earlier than I need to be up, typically. Um, and that's been kicking my ass. Yeah. That's but I, uh, I get a new bed frame tomorrow, so that's pretty dope. I've been rocking the mattress on the floor dig for a minute. and Yeah, I, I kind of like that. Though, like, I don't like tall mattress frames. Are, yeah. Do you go low? Um, got a low it's rider? Not, it's not super high. It's got storage underneath it because that's, yeah. I mean, when I look at bed frames, it's like there's no there's no reason not to get one that has, like, you know, drawers or shit. Like, it doesn't make sense to me not to. I mean, I guess as long as it's up off the ground, there's you can always store shit underneath it. But Then you got to clean under it. Yeah, exactly. I like, I like to, I want it to look nice, so. I got it from Ikea. So nice. <laughs> Meatballs. The, um, yeah, but that's coming in tomorrow. So I'm pretty pumped on that. That's going to be my, my whole day is, um, one waiting for them to show up. The, the window for delivery is between 11 and three. Nice. That's like, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to get it at four. Of course. <laughs> oh shit. You got any, uh, cool honorable mentions this week? I super don't. I haven't watched. You know what? I I can say I, I've watched some new media. I watched um, 
uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple uh, this week. I got a trial for uh, Paramount Plus. Okay. And and I, I thought, you know, this is kind of cool when I look at it and, like, most of the things on there are, like, kids shows and stuff like that and, like, old as fuck things from, like, Comedy Central and whatever. And I was like, ah, eh. I'm not going to keep this. But um, Legends of the Hidden Temple was like, oh, this is kind of cool when I remember this. And then they showed the first, like – Oh, you know, you didn't win, but you're not going to go home empty-handed. Here's uh here's what you're going to take and then they have like here's your prize and it's like a Dunkin' Yo-Yo ad. <laughs> and it's like, you know, this fucking, you know, 90s as fuck advert, you know, lightning bolts and shit with like someone doing sick tricks on a fucking yo-yo. And then like fucking ratchet strap shoes that you know like you know these kids playing in the street and they're like ratcheting their shoes oh, and like someone's like keep it down out there <laughs> it's like like turn up the noise <laughs> Dude, that's so funny um right. but that that's that's really the the only new media i've consumed this week dude i've been in deep this week i'm just i'm listening to like headphones on all work day it's just constant but um this first one I got is an artist. Uh, this link should go to the piece. The artist's name, I believe, is Machado on Instagram. The at is M A C H A D O X L E A O. Um, this particular piece is titled The Oasis of the Twin Lions. And I fucking love this, man. It's. Oh, yeah. It's. 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 It's glorious. Got yeah. It's it's so it's got like a sacrilegious vibe to it. Yeah, with those fire got, clouds and the. What is that? That's a, that's like like a famous classical painting, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I forget the name of it. I've I know I've worked with it myself too. The lines I, are I good. Definitely know I've seen it before, but the setting for it is so fucking wild, and like the little dude in the center for. For like size reference, it's yeah. I usually I'm not a big fan of that, but same, same. Yeah. This one I debated on it a little bit. Um, he this dude does uh work in a similar vein to mine, where it's digital collage uh stuff. Uses a lot of um bright colors. I've mixed feelings about some of his other work, but this particular piece is outstanding. Uh, it's just such a, it just feels like such a cool place. I, I love places like this, like this shrine in a weird, on a weird planet, you know? Yeah. Very fun. Uh, so check out Machado on Instagram. We'll share the links. Um, this second one, these next two are just quick stories. So I found a, a, a post about cow virtual reality. And I, okay. I check it out. So I figured, you know, we just recently did our vegan episode and I'm like, why the fuck are these cows wearing virtual reality goggles? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out um, they're putting, they're testing VR goggles on cows and they're, they're showing them like beautiful pastures and different things that they would enjoy and it's decreasing their anxiety and making their general mood better so that they produce more milk. That's kind of cool. It looks straight out of the Matrix. 
these goggles got these uh, like aesthetic design to it too with the now, like cone shaped uh pattern on it and you know this is this is pretty wild um but and, and maybe this maybe my idea is radical but you think like maybe they could just like give them a nice pasture to graze in exactly yeah <laughs> like it's so dark instead of like putting on fucking <laughs> these fucking vr headsets on these fucking cows right like how it's so dystopian the fact that like using an expensive vr setup on a cow can make you more money because they produce enough milk because their environment's so terrible they're not producing them you know ideal amounts it's crazy i just love some one of these uh one of the headlines after i click the the link you sent me one of the headlines says someone's putting vr headsets on cows <laughs> and we want to know why <laughs> so good all right so last one before we get to the the organ trade uh this is a story from smithsonian magazine um titled Hyenas hoarded thousands of human animal bones in Saudi Arabian lava tube. <laughs> Which Jesus fuck. I think is Christ. probably the coolest title of an article I've seen in a long time. So, archaeologists in northwestern Saudi Arabia have unearthed a massive collection of bones, likely stockpiled by striped hyenas over the past 7,000 years. Wow. Found in the Um Jersan lava tube system, a sprawling network of tunnels formed by volcanic activity, the hundreds of thousands of bones, and they show these crazy pictures, belong to the last 14 kinds of animals, including cattle, cap caprids. How do you say that one? I always forget. Caprids? Caprids. I don't know. Horses, camels, rodents, and even humans. The researchers' findings are newly published in the Journal of Archaeological and Anthropological Sciences. Um, lead author Matthew Stewart, a zoo archaeologist at blah, 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 uh, says that they believe um, the bones are from hyenas' kills because the co- after analyzing the cuts and bites and digestion marks on the bones and that striped hyenas are a very... Uh, very avid um, accumulators of bones. They like to like keep their kills, which is so fucking cool. Uh, yeah. Another key sign that hyenas were responsible for the huge pile of bones was the presence of the human skull fragments. The animals are m- notorious for rummaging through graves for grub. It's always just the skull caps that survive. Stuart tells Gizmodo. Hyenas seem to not really be interested in skull caps. You find maybe five or six skull caps with null marks on them at the site, but only the skull caps, nothing else. <laughs> wow. So fucking metal. It really is. It made For me. 7,000 years. Right? That's mind blowing. Yeah, dude. I, I kind of forgot. I kind of got into raccoon mode. With the podcast, but my whole life spirit animal, my spirit animal has been the hyena. I, that was my name and everything. I I kind I saw this article and it brought me back, man. I just wanted to, to drag humans into a cave and eat their bones. <laughs> made me so happy. Fucking brutal. Yeah. All right. So that gets us 
to the start. You ready for all this reading? Yeah. It'll be fun. Yep. It'll be fun. I'm ready for it. Right. Um, I thought I was about to sneeze for a minute. Um, <laughs> and it went away, so it's probably going to come back in a few minutes. Kick, we'll see. Kick it off with a good sneeze. <laughs> yeah, kick it off with a good um so the name of the documentary for today is Tales from the Organ Trade. Yes. Um, it's a gritty and unflinching descent into a, the shadowy world of black market organ trafficking. The street-level brokers, the rogue surgeons, the impoverished men and women who are willing to sacrifice a slice of their own bodies for a quick payday. And the desperate patients who face the agonizing choice of obeying the law or saving their lives. Uh, the director is Rick Esser Ber- Beanstock. Old Beanstock. Old Beanstock uh, <laughs> came out uh, last year. Yep. Yeah, don't pay for it. It's on YouTube. Or, I mean, pay for yeah. it if you can or find it somewhere. But I think they put it free on YouTube. If you YouTube. really want to. Yeah. Um, so before getting into the doc, we kind of wanted to kick things off with just going over the basics so we can get the top dollar for our uh-huh. organs on the dark web. A lot of what we're going to share is sourced from a paper by Jessica Dejong titled Human Trafficking for the Purpose of Organ Removal. I want to preface this by saying her point of view concludes that organ trafficking is unethical, which we are going to discuss more as we break open this documentary. And part of the introduction to the paper reads... Uh, the first, success, excuse me, first successful human organ transplant was performed in 1954 in the United States. A 23-year-old man received a kidney from his healthy identical twin brother. Over the past decades, organ transplantation have been, has become a standardized medical procedure, highly improving the quality of or even saving patients' lives. An organ transplant can be performed with an organ from a deceased donor, which is a post-mortal donation, or a living donor, a living donation. A living donor can be genetically, for instance, a parent or emotionally, uh, like a friend, related or can be unrelated to the recipient, uh, like an anonymous donation. Organs can be transplanted after death, uh, including lungs, the liver, the pancreas, the small bowel, heart, and the kidneys. Yeah. Uh, real quick, that just reminded me of a weird one. I was like obsessed with these dudes uh, in high school when I was first getting into body modification. I don't mm-hmm. know what, what reminded me of it. Uh I don't know. Thinking about organs and amputations, whatever. There's these two German twins, um, and one of them tattooed his full arm, and the other, and he had like, whether it was like a fetish or a mental condition. I think it was more of a mental condition where you want to like get rid of a limb. So he decides he doesn't want his arm. He only wants one arm, and his twin brother wants his brother's arm so the dude tattoos his arms and then gets one of them amputated and they put the other arm on the other twin's chest just a dead tattooed arm amputated to his chest and he kept it like it stayed there for like i think it was like 10 years jesus fuck and there's all these photos of him like putting a shirt on and have to like flop the arm around through the shirt and stuff how did he not like get like sepsis and like die it was a big experimental surgery at the time i think it was one of the first like big uh i don't even know what the fuck you call transplants like that but yeah google german twin arm 
tattoo tr- amputation or some shit sometime. It's it's wild. Fuck. Um, yeah. Man, that's... It's so cool, though, because I got really into, like, thinking about weird shit like that for a you, while. You said you said German twins, and I, I didn't want to assume it was going to be, like, fucking Mangala. just so wild right <laughs> off the bat. But I was like, ah, oh, we'll see how it goes. And, like, man, it went so much weirder than I expected that to be. The Nazis were all about the weird twin shit, too. Oh, man. Yeah. There's a whole town of Nazi twins. They did this study on a town. <laughs> all kinds of shit. Um, the kidney is the most often donated and transplantable organ, although living liver and living lobe donation are possible. These forms of donation involve greater risks than living kidney donation and are therefore far less common. In 2015, as many as 92,000 some patients received transplants, two-thirds of which were kidney. Despite the increasing number of transplants being performed all over the world, with the aging populations and growth in heart and vascular disease, the number of people known to have organ failure is growing exponentially. Currently, the activity of transplantation worldwide is less than 10% of the global need. For each of the aforementioned organ waiting lists uh, existing, the kidney transplant waiting list grows most prominently. That's the one they have the problems with the most. Yeah. Um, At the end of 2015, over uh, 180,000 patients were actively waiting for a kidney transplant worldwide, whilst over 11,000 people registered on national waiting lists uh, died waiting for a kidney just that year. Due to medical technology innovations of the mid-20th century, uh, in in particular the development of immunosuppressant drugs which prevent organ rejection after transplantation, recipients and donors could uh, no longer had to be relatives but could be biologically and geographically distant. Consequently, transplant activities were expanded, saving the lives of many people. Since the early 1980s, the demand for transplantable organs has started to outpace the supply, especially in countries where religious or cultural considerations inhibit organ donation. In response to organ shortage, in 1987, the World Health Organization declared that organs should be donated without financial gain. Although the commercial trade in human organs has long been the subject of rumors and unconformed reports, over the past 15 years, journalists and scientists have indicated that the trade occurs worldwide. To date, the buying and selling of human organs is prohibited worldwide, except for Iran, where a governmental regulated system is in place. Although there is no reliable data about the scope of the trade, Patient's global search for potential donors has generated a highly profitable black market and has led to exploitation of donor victims, desperately willing to sell their organs. In 2000, uh, the United Nations established the first legal instrument to define and prohibit human trafficking, in which organ removal is explicitly recognized as one of the purposes of exploitation. It's fucking wild. Right. For a trafficking offense to be established... There must be evidence of an illicit act, i.e. recruitment, and an illicit means, i.e. coercion, for the purpose of exploitation, such as organ removal. An occurrence which was referred to by the prosecutor quoted above, a clear distinction needs to be made between the buying and selling of human organs. 
uh, hereafter referred to as the organ trade, the organ trafficking for the purpose of organ removal, hereafter generally referred to as organ trafficking. Yeah. It's fucking wild ass shit. That that paper she wrote, she's like the head of uh, Jessica DeJong. Uh, she's the head of um, an international group that looks at organ trafficking. She had this like 100 page paper that really went into de- in, in depth, didn't read it all, but it's, if, it's definitely worth checking out if you're a super nerd. Um, right. But this documentary is fucking wild, man. Yeah. The thing is, like, I understand, you know, where where it gets into the human trafficking that, that gets fucked up. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I should be able to sell my kidney. You should be able to sell anything you fucking want. It's like, it's, it's mine, and, like, if I felt like I, you know, I needed the money for it. If, if that's the thing is like if I'm making the choice and I'm getting the money for it, that should be fine. If other people are making profit off of it, that's when it's fucked. What worries me the most is like the crazy world it would be where the poor have to trade their organs to survive. But I, I, yeah. But I still think we should be able to. It's kind of like how suicide is illegal. Like, yeah. What the fuck is that? Well, yeah. Like we have no free will. It's just I don't know. But we're gonna get into more of the debate. Um, but the, this documentary starts the establishing shot. I'm always crazy about establishing shots. Anytime I watch something, Sarah always distracts me right as I see these, <laughs> and I lose it every single time. So this one. I caught it. It was uh, the first shot was of an organ transplant surgery. They show the doctor making incisions. Then they do this little montage of all these Filipino men with their massive scars, and it, it's like a a pretty uh, shocking series of images right out the gate. Yeah. Um, and on the black market, you can buy all kinds of organs and tissues: uh, corneas, eggs, liver slices. Um, like we said, though, the top seller by far is kidneys. Yeah. Um, this documentary begins by taking a look at people who sell their organs and features a montage of Filipino men with massive scars from kidney removals. Um, we then meet a man who's struggling to provide for himself and his family. So he decides to sell his kidney so he can buy his family an actual house. Um, he's going to be paid $2,500 for it. Uh, sometimes the wages for a week for him are as low as $2 and 50 cents. So like, that's a, a huge a chunk of cash. Yeah. For, for, for him. It's a house. Uh, a local, yeah. Uh, a local woman named Diane is the organ broker for their community. Um, and she's even donated her own kidney as well. Diane, man, that, that was like the first little twist where I was like, oh fuck, this is getting dark quick. Yeah. When your neighbors are your organ brokers. Right, and she's going around with her cell phone from the doctors, getting lists of dudes willing to sell their shit and with their blood types and stuff. I was like, "Oh man," Di- she's just this little woman named Diane. Diane's doing them dirty, but it's like otherwise unassuming looking woman, right? But it's like she went through with it herself. Like she's yeah. not rich. Um, <laughs> I I know you only needed one kidney, but I didn't know. Uh, they also can do liver slice transplants that buy the recipient more time before getting a full organ transplanted. 
Yeah, that's pretty wild. And I, I, I would have thought they were getting more for their organs too. Same. But, but I, I guess based on um, how much money is worth to them, it's it's still a lot. But it, it's pretty crazy to think $2,500 for, for your fucking body, parts of your body. Right. Can you can you even imagine if someone said, "Hey, I'll give you $2500 for your kidney." You'd tell them to go fuck themselves. I definitely would tell them to go fuck themselves, but there are definitely times in my life where I would have taken that. Which is That's pretty brutal. It's crazy, man, right? I thought yeah. like doing like getting in like an illegal organ was like exclusively for like super villains and gangsters and it's like all these just normal people you know what i mean (laughs) exactly (laughs) like how the fuck is this going on in these small villages and like at hospitals across the world and shit right um the documentary then takes us back to the u.s a woman named mary joe shows us the process of her dialysis which she does by herself with her own machine at home, uh, which, is, yeah, was enough of a, a whole thing. Can you imagine having that whole thing fucking set up in your house and you had to do it? Um, when, when she first got on the transplant list, doctors thought it would take seven years. But now after five years and increasing demand, they believe she is only halfway up the list with at least another five years remaining. Yeah, that was so brutal. They showed her talking to her doctor and being like, yeah, you're a lot. You're not nearly as high on the list as we thought you'd be. Yeah. Like, that fucking sucks. And I've known people, like, you know, my buddy who's trying to get on. It's not easy to get on those lists sometimes. Like, especially if you have any other illnesses or um, mental issues, addiction, all those things. Even just being a smoker. If you can't quit smoking, you got to be have quit smoking for a couple years before you get. You know what I mean? Like, it. A lot of people that need that shit, it's because they had a another problem, and it just gets harder and harder to even get on the list or you get booted for the, you know, yeah, it's fucking brutal. All we the- actually did a uh, we did a fundraiser when I was uh, when I lived in Florida. It was for a guy that we I didn't really know him that well, but he was in a uh, brewing club, like a beer brewing club at uh, like a different brewing club than ours and we so we'd meet at like different events and stuff like that and yeah um were you, you know, brewing we, your own beer yeah for a little while i kind of remember that but I, ne- I never saw it like gotta see, check it out though yeah uh my dad's got dad built his own dope setup for it it's really cool um but anyways he would um he was starting a um he started a fundraiser for his mom um who needed a kidney plant transplant and he um he was donating his kidney but it was just like to cover the costs of it um and they they did it and went through it and it was really successful but if he hadn't done that like man like she likely wouldn't have made it so Um, fucking wild yeah yeah and mary joe had all those they showed her and a couple other women uh with like because they're doing dialysis every day they got massive infected injection sites Oh my god, that was fucking hard Just to look at. So fucking brutal. It gave me. It reminded me. It was just some straight requiem of dream type shit. <laughs> I was gonna say like like Akira shit, like from that the anyone that's seen that fucking anime movie knows that's the fucking end scene of it's pretty fucking brutal, dude. That feeling if you, like collapse in oh. a vein or like 
getting an infection like that is the scariest shit ever, too. That <laughs> if I ever told you the time I was uh <laughs> I had just gotten a DUI and I was in uh DUI classes <laughs> for probation. Mm-hmm. They do this thing where they lock you up in a weekend at a hotel and you do classes all weekend and they evaluate your your level of drug addiction to see if you can go through with normal probation or you have to go to drug court or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew they were going to drug test me. So it's like everybody brings their drugs and waits for you to, you know, you got to piss clean and then you can get high in your hotel room. But they tape your door shut and they have somebody monitor the hallway. So if you break the seal on your door, you violate your probation, right? So, but you know, everyone there is getting fucked up at the same time. (laughs) And it's like, as soon as you pass the piss test, I remember going up to the hotel room and shooting up a bunch of stuff and I missed. And dude, my arm was swelling up so bad. Oh. And like, fuck. I, I, it was already infected from like earlier that week. And my arm was like three times the size. Oh. And I'm like, what do I do? Cause if I, if I leave my room and like go get help, then I'm going to jail. I was, oh, fuck. Dude, it was so scary. I just had to wait it out and leave and get antibiotics like a couple days later or whatever. Jesus, fuck. So scary. I can't imagine like, this woman, Mary Jo, having those... I mean, hers was way worse than mine. Too, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. living with that every day. Like, that's Oh, dude, so they showed scary. her mom. Oh, that... Oh. oh, that was horrifying. It really did look like an anime thing. Like a yeah, monster. so... Yeah. Something under their skin. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, she does this every day to survive and it, it buys her more time the dialysis cleans her filters her blood for her. it buys her a little time just to do it every other day uh next we meet a man named walter and walter was a little rough around the edges yeah he wasn't super likable but i've met i feel like i've met a lot of people that were like walter that needed organs <laughs> uh-huh and he was he's on the transplant list and he goes to a dialysis clinic each week um, and they show him meet with his doctor, and his doctor is not optimistic. He can hold off long enough to get a donor. Yeah. Um, the doctor then says at his clinic that for each 100 patients he sees each year, 20 of them will die waiting for an organ. That's fucked. Brutal. Dude, yeah. I, I, met, I can't, like, I don't get how doctors or, like, therapists or just like people in the medical field that are in like a cancer ward or meant like dude watching that many people die or like yeah or meeting someone and like realizing like they need a kidney and then realize this person's probably gonna die that's so brutal i'm gonna watch this person die one one fifth of the people you care for each year are going to die yeah that's that would I mean, it's got to be meaningful work, but fuck, that's got to take a toll. Yeah. Um, 
Walter said, uh, I, I effectively have to decide at this point, if I can't find a donor in the country this year or fairly soon, I have to decide if I'm willing to take on my, take on my soul, the ethical burden of purchasing a kidney from somebody or to just die. That really is the choice I'm facing. Um, meanwhile, another pan, Raul sells his soul, sells his soul, sells his house. (laughs) Jesus fuck. Oh, that's a whole different kind of thing you can do. Raul, Um, demon. (laughs) Right? Uh, So Raul sells his house and his belongings to get together $100,000, and he bought a kidney and had the procedure done overseas in a clinic in Israel. Um, it was, it was, wasn't it supposed to be in Israel and then it got moved to Turkey. Yeah. Then it got moved to Kosovo. Uh, Kosovo. Yeah. Um, did on him like three times. It's so yeah. scap. He's texting doctors overseas, trying to arrange the details and shit. Um, the, the wording was a little weird, but it was because the destination country for the transplant changed so many times in the, uh, the organizers were working like just within the margins of the law. That, um, that was one of the most surprising things that a, a lot of it isn't done like exclusively illegally. Right. Like it's a lot, we're, we're going to go into it, but a lot of it's done at hospitals where they, they can find a way to make it work where, Parts of the process may be illegal and parts of it may not be. Um, and if it is, you know, depending on where you're at, you might just be able to pay somebody right, to turn the other way. Yeah. So one of the main clinics we're going to be looking at is a clinic called Medicus, which mm-hmm. was run by – here's the thing. They say it's run by organized crime, and we're going to hear both sides of that. But uh, the articles in the papers and everything, they say – Medicus was run by organized crime and operated illegally without medical licenses. They operated across the world in many countries, harvesting organs from the poor and selling and transplanting them to more wealthy patients in need in other countries. The organs were typically sourced and harvested from the poor and destitute and then sold to Americans for $100,000 or more. So Raul acknowledges that It's a dirty business, and it could be considered unethical, but just as he knows the organ transplant saved his life, he hopes the money the donor received for selling their organs that helped save his life, he he hopes the money helped them as well. Um, Which felt really weird as he's saying it in his mansion. (laughs) Right. Um. I think there's a lot of ignorance there, but he wasn't saying it to be shitty. It, it right. Was, I didn't get that either. It just, yeah, he's more trying to express that the ethics of these decisions on both ends are not always as black and white as they may seem. Right. Um, I think there's some truth to that, but it also sounded like a lot of copium. Like this dude's trying to find ways to cope with right. his decisions. Yeah. Um, so um, we meet, so within Medicus, um, there's a doctor, uh, the, the, I guess it was like their main doctor that they went through. Yeah. Um, Dr. Youssef uh, is dubbed Dr. Vulture or Dr. Frankenstein. It's <laughs> fucking, it, he it looked sounds, like it too. <laughs> he really did. He looked like a fucking vulture. Yeah. Um, 
was one of Turkey and Europe's biggest black market organ traffickers, admitting to thousands of illegal transplants with a no-questions-asked policy about where the donor organs came from. He is currently on the run from Interpol and an international manhunt after being caught on video negotiating the cost of an illegal organ purchase. One of the prosecutors in the file claims that 10 to 15 percent of all organ transplants are illegal and inhumane exploitation. Uh, despite being wanted on, on the run, the documentary team was still able to easily reach out to Yusef the Dr. Vulture through his public website. <laughs> it was so easy. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll shoot him an email. So that, that's where things get pretty weird. And by the way, yeah. that 10 to 15 percent of organ transplants are estimated to be illegal and inhumane. That's basically art museum numbers. Like of how yeah. many, how many forgeries are in an art museum. It's about the same yeah, yeah. as illegal organ transplants. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Dr. Yusuf, creepy dude, but we're going we're going to get into the nuance of it because some of like how how they title him like the Dr. Frankenstein, Dr. Vulture, to the same, yeah. he's organized crime. All these things kind of have, everybody's putting their own twist on it, too. So while there is a global crackdown on black market organ trade, business is still thriving in the Philippines. Diane, the local broker, receives a text from a doctor that an illegal surgery is about to occur. And, he re- and she reviews her list of possible candidates to buy the kidney from. Each donor must simply explain to the hospital that the organ recipient is someone they personally know and must be done for altruistic reasons. They must sign paperwork that they are choosing to do so for moral reasons and have not been coerced to do so. Diane then preps the donor before the going to the hospital. She preps the donor on what to say. And uh, a few days later, so like it, they have these meetings, like they know it's illegal Right. to do this for profit so it's all done you know quietly and then when they go to the hospital they're prepped on how how to address it with the doctors and they fake the relationship to the person receiving the organ and they say they're doing it out of the love and all this shit and, and they're they're lining up to do it like they had two different guys yeah. in particular that were like trying to you know sell their kidney yeah and then a few days later the original donor is told he's too old and he is like crushed like that. Right. Was, that was, that was his future house. That was his family's chance out of poverty or a chance to start a business he wanted to do. So it's all just gone because he wasn't the ideal candidate. The doctor had decided to move down the list and go to a younger male candidate. And maybe eventually he'll get his chance to sell his organs, but yeah, not today. It's fucking wild. Yeah, it's a that's a some literal cutthroat shit. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, Walter looks online at the possibilities of having an organ transplant done in India. Uh, we even see people looking to buy or sell organs on Craigslist. Craigslist at one point. <laughs> um, Those Craigslist ads are no fucking joke, man. Right. You can do anything in the world on there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Uh, Walter's daughter feels distraught of her father's choice to potentially take the advantage of a poorer person. Um, Walter's wife agrees, but feels like there is no other choice and she doesn't want him to die. Um, everyone in the film really feels like the system has failed them and that it's up to themselves to find medical treatment or the money to survive. 
Yeah, man. Watching Walter, that family dinner, that was brutal. That was, yeah, that was awkward as fuck. Because they didn't fully explain, but it seemed like it was a possibility his daughter could give him an organ, but she was too afraid and didn't want to. Yeah. So I mean, you know, because that puts that Sorry, puts Dad. her up for like having you know health issues for the rest of her life. It does, but you know, most of the time it's okay. I know if it was our parents, we would. But I, yeah. who it could have been a stepchild. They didn't really get into the the details of that family dynamic, but they were all fucking sad. Yeah, it it there was definitely a um. I go, of course, I don't blame you for making that choice. You know, but like You're secretly me. they did. Yeah, it's like, but you know, but it's I'm gonna die, so and she, that's the choice. You've made that choice. You're killing me. And she was like, "Yeah, I don't think you want to. I don't think I want to give you my organ, but it's pretty fucked up of you to buy one from somebody." Like, yeah, it's like, damn, <laughs> that's a rough dinner. So yeah, <laughs> uh, we see later the Medicus Clinic. They operated for years. This it wasn't like a a brick and mortar location. This was a, a crash team transplant site that would operate at different places. Uh, but they did have one location that some doctors would be at, and eventually they were raided and shut down. Uh, I think they operated for like ten years, though. It was, it was, it was pretty long time for a long time. The head of the clinic made bail and has since disappeared. Of course. Uh, was, he, he made bail and it was like the, the the deal was like he couldn't leave the country and like immediately he's like okay cool and immediately fucking dibs <laughs> of course he got to yeah. i don't blame him uh his name doc dr shapira not to be confused with the equally if not more nefarious piece of shit named ben shapiro this is right <laughs> this is dr shapira um he is a transplant surgeon and co-conspirator at the clinic uh, according to the prosecutor, and he is interviewed in the documentary. He says he is okay with himself and what he does despite the criticisms because he is saving lives. In his younger days, he was one of Europe's most renowned transplant surgeons, and at the time there weren't many legal questions asked about where the organs were produced, uh, where, where the organs came from for most hospitals. Um, he, he basically was like an old-timer. I think he was like yeah. close to 70 and he's like yeah there were no protocols for this at hospitals in the time like he was the top top of his field just because he could do it right um and he said quote people want to live and nothing can change this and if a government can't find a way to find them a kidney to give them a life then people will continue to pay for it end quote that's like a, a perfect um like conclusion on black markets in general not right you know not even just organ shit if, if you can't find it legally it makes it that much simpler for me to find it illegally yeah even if it's like downloading you know fucking pirated shit or whatever yeah or you know or even if it's hard like abortion like drugs were probably easier when it's black market but something like an abortion might be harder but pe if people want it they will find it like right it's so frustrating. Um, he he also said, as hospital ethic boards evolved and began to question his work, he moved into other areas of Europe. And then eventually he went to Turkey where he met and began working with Dr. Vulture. So they, they combined forces in Turkey. 
super Dr. Frankenstein and Igor. <laughs> it really does seem like a super villain, like, formation. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 2007, they were both arrested during an illegal operation in Istanbul. Uh, they served three months in jail together before the charges were eventually dropped. Dr. Shapira says they performed over 3,600 kidney legal transplants, uh, or legal kidney transplants, and about 850 illegal transplants, although he doesn't personally consider those to be illegal. The 850 were often performed in batches of six to seven operations at, the, at a time. That part's a little scary. Yeah, that's fucked right there. Yeah. I, I, I looked it up after I was trying to find out if they had any could go wrong, and there wasn't. You know, there wasn't going to be information on that, but right, fuck, that's sketchy. You're you're going to different countries, different hospitals, setting up a clinic, doing six to seven transplants at a time. Ugh, that's that's dark. Yeah, but I liked Doctor Shapiro. Like he 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 altered my perception of what I thought this film was going to be a little bit. Right. Um. It's crazy. Keep in mind, each transplant is two surgeries, uh, one for the donor and one for the recipient. They got to cut them open, chop, 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 sew them up, bump, chop, chop, chop. <laughs> on both people. So it's really like two surgeries uh, that are very intense. They would travel to various countries to perform the operations and often pay the local law enforcement for protection or permission. They sometimes disguise the patient's. Uh, with meth- methods such as using various like arm or like full body cat like upper body casts and like different shit uh, mm-hmm. or bandage the face if it was for the the eyes or you know different shit. Um, but most of these operations were done at legitimate hospitals. It's not the yeah. warehouse fact, you know, in the, in the a weird part of town. It's yeah, they had a legitimate the facility. Yeah. Um, Dr. Shapiro went on to say, I'm sure the same people who are against this or who condemn me, if they needed a transplant, wouldn't they do anything to save the life of a loved one? What they would. I think he's a hundred percent on the mark with that one. Yeah. It's fucked up. I mean, what the fuck else are you going to do if you have the money? Right. It's just, it's just only bad at all because it's such a sketchy business. You're not going to the Better Business Bureau or, or filing a lawsuit if you get fucked over. Yeah. And the the possibility for that, it could be so high. Yeah. Um, the prosecutor who had, had worked on the Dr. Vulture cases and Medicus uh, said that the truth is that donors were exploited and were extremely vulnerable and that the organs were harvested is an outrageous act. Dr. Shapiro acknowledges that it is easy for the donors to be harmed or left unpaid, and that it is a valid argument against black market transplantations. But because of his work being done through actual hospitals, his patients never had that problem. Maybe other people did, but not ours. Ours were as legit as you could get. Um, He said, when I know I can save a man's life, should I tell him I can't because it's illegal? I can't say that. <laughs> right. If you had the skills and the materials to save someone's life and you were one of the few people that could and you're like, sorry, man, you know, I could get in trouble for that. I, I don't want to take the chance. Right. It, it feels like 
not in general, but from that perspective, it would feel unethical not to help. Right, exactly. And I think that was his whole point of view. And he spoke very... I think what helped, too, is he wasn't like Dr. Vulture, who seemed a little more insidious. He felt like he he was very gentle in his mm-hmm. approach. And that all could be a con, who the fuck knows. But he seemed very genuine that he did want to help people, and he felt an obligation to do so. Right. It's, it's confusing. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot on either side, and it's, you know... Um, you know, and it's true. Like there's definitely, you can say there where there's people being, you know, uh, um, you know, being exploited and they're, you know, they're vulnerable and like, absolutely like that's, yeah, it's fucked and it shouldn't be that way. Um, you know, but if there's a way to do it, um, in a more, I don't know, it's like if, if the donors are being taken care of in some kind of a way, you know, it's, it's hard. It's fucked. I kind of think like, one, like once you're dead like i don't think we should disrespect people's bodies but i don't think you have the right to be like you can't use my organs to save someone else yeah i kind of think like there's a relatively easy solution and just do it anyways just- yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh you didn't sign up to be an organ donor fuck you we're taking them well for all you know you're not so that's all that matters right <laughs> We'll, we'll keep all the, uh, you know, if you want an open casket or whatever, we'll keep all the ones that people are going to need to look at. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, well, you don't even need to keep eyes. You can take those out. Yeah. We'll yeah. put marbles in there. I'll put some marbles in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't put marbles in your nose. So, um, so we go back to Manila, I think. Yeah. In a small province near Manila, it is so common to sell organs for money. There are even support groups. Primarily of men who share their experience with others. They spoke about how they spent their money and how quick it was gone, and often how they were not paid and what uh, what was agreed upon. Um, Many of the men uh, do not regret their decision despite the manipulation. They did so by choice. Uh, Type O blood type is the most coveted as they are universal donors, but most of the type O's have already donated. So most so in the groups of men, as many as thirty of them at a time, uh, they live in barracks, waiting for the chance to sell an organ based on the need for their given blood type. That shit was shocking, bro. Yeah, that I I didn't expect it to to be such like a prominent part in this small village ecosystem. Like yeah. the fact that. These doctors or clinics or the this ch- organ ch- like chain of trade even sets up barracks for these desperate villagers who are happy to do it. Are they're like partying, excited? They're talking about how they blew their money or how they're going to use it responsibly. How it will change their life. They're in support groups. If you know, like it's crazy. Uh, I don't know. It was just shocking. I didn't think it would be that big scale. Do you do you know your blood type? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think I'm B. I'm type O. Ooh. Yeah, I I I donate that shit like a motherfucker. You're, um, you I haven't my, done it in a while because of COVID, but you could be my Mad Max blood bag. Yeah. <laughs> 
when uh, the world goes to shit and the, the Tal- <laughs> Taliban strikes back, we can we can hop in my Honda Civic. I can put you on, <laughs> on, on the roof of the car, run an IV to me, and we'll, uh, we'll take on the world. Damn right. <laughs> That's how I pay my way into Renfest is... Donating blood. Did you ever? Do you do that, or have you done the the plasma stuff? The plasma stuff? No. Like selling your plasma for money? Oh no, I should do that. It, dude, it's actually pretty fucking good money. It's like yeah. a hundred bucks each time, at least. Oh, fuck, I'm down with that. Yeah, it does take it out of that's you. That's a that's a day of work right there, man. It is though, because it's not like blood though. Like it drains you more, you know. Cause gonna- I've never, I've never had like the, you know, after you, you know, donate or whatever. Some people say they get dizzy or something like that. I've never had that before. Uh, the only time so. I have is when I had an eight. But from what I understand, doing the plasma is more draining because it's a more. It's, they're taking it more, uh, like filtering more out of you, and it's mm-hmm. the whole blood platelet. But I don't know. But I know a couple of people that do it. I always, when I was like in junkie mode, was always wanting to do it. But they, you know, try not to have people using intravenous drugs donate blood. Right. <laughs> it's a huge problem for them, though. You get a, you get a, a blood transfusion and you get a little buzz on it. <laughs> Some good blood. God damn. <laughs> Uh, oh, fucking so, a so some of the men at these barracks uh some of them use their money uh when they get paid after the surgeries they use their money more wisely than others uh some talk you know join these support groups and talk about how they feel uh like cheated in a way because they they didn't know how to use their money or because i, I think it's just like a feeling of loss like they wished it went farther and then other men use it to change their, their family's lives. They start a business that gets passed down to their children. They build better homes. Um, but the overall feeling was that, you know, some people may regret it, even if they were cheated and paid less than agreed upon, but that they mostly felt that it was their choice. And one of the men even said, we're not ashamed of it. Uh, we were able to build a home. And a lot. it seemed like, the people echoed that that sent, sentiment you know mm-hmm. at at least it was their choice right um other men face the possibility of renal disease which they cannot combat with just one kidney um this also could mean if they were sick when they gave their organs that the person receiving the sick organ would be at major risk as well that's pretty fucked that is shitty. That's they, scary. Can you imagine spending $100,000 and getting a shitty liver or getting a shitty kidney? Dude, that could be so much worse than not getting one at all. Like, if then waiting a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, waiting a, a little bit, you know, just 12 years. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a, <laughs> uh, it's a real problem. Hold out a decade. You'll be fine. You'll be all right. Um, Dr. Youssef, a.k.a. Dr. Vulture, replies to the email from the director of the documentary, uh, and he decides to meet with the film crew. He claims the organized crime and international organ trafficking is all a spin by the media to demonize his work. While he blames the media, he acknowledges his work was at the margins of the current law, but not illegal. 
Yeah. It's like some fake news shit. <laughs> He's like, fuck y'all. This is bullshit. Um, <laughs> he is legally, uh, he has been legally accused of illegal operations 10 different times by the Turkish legal system, but each time he has been acquitted. He claims all of the paperwork for his surgeries are legitimate under the current laws and that the problems around his surgeries are for the ethics boards to figure out, not the surgeons. I kind of like respected that line. I was like, right. Like he, he's got a point. And he, he also said that, you know, 10 times in court, it's been proven what he's not doing, what he's doing isn't illegal, but that if they feel that strongly about it, that the, the loopholes in the laws should be changed. Right. He's like, I, you know, but you know, that's just from his point of view. There, there could be a lot more to that, but basically there is paperwork. He has to have, um, filled out legitimately with the, the donor and the receiver's consent. So, so far all the times he's had to go to court, he's been acquitted. Um, and while he is wanted by Interpol and the neighboring countries, Turkey has has brought no charges upon him. So he's wanted for like crimes against humanity in every country in the world except Turkey, his home country. So he's just living comfortably at home with his wife and mother and their family home. Uh, it's a nice big house, and as long as he keeps his head down in Turkey, he's safe. Which is pretty wild. Yeah, it's like, how the fuck does that work? Right. Drinking that car- Turkish coffee. Yeah. He looks like Flip. he enjoys his Turkish coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, while he plants his next transplant. Right. He's like, I, I, he's like, the only way for me to stay out of trouble is to go nowhere near it. And he, right. he claims yeah. that's what he does. You know, he wouldn't get involved anymore, but... Yeah. Who the fuck knows? I wouldn't be surprised if he had a clinic in the basement of that mansion. <laughs> right. Um, and while the price of a transplant may be $100,000, he claims that um, while he's not poor, he didn't get rich off the work. Uh, the surgery is 10 times more expensive than the amount the donor receives, and that many people require payment to make the process happen, including the hospital staff, surgeons, nurses, lawyers, brokers, police, and law enforcement, the barracks workers... Uh, in addition to just the transportation and the logistics. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably half true. I can't imagine those things don't require a good amount of money. But, right. But I don't think the whole industry exists just out of the will to save people. It, you yeah. Know, it probably does cost a lot to make all of it happen, but it, it has to involve a lot of greed, too. Yeah, it's one of those things that like if you're doing something that you know is technically not legal um even if you don't think it's fully illegal but you know that there's a good chance that you can get popped for it you're gonna skim some for you know your your legal fees and shit like that just to have that for insurance 100 percent. it's you called need that felonies ain't free felonies ain't free. if a friend right. asks you to like you know, pick this up from my buddy or just, just sell this. To my, oh, it's, it's nothing. If it's a felony, you charge for it. <laughs> you put 10% of it into your legal fund because right. you're going to need it eventually. <laughs> 
So uh, the documentary ends with Walter finding a willing and altruistic donor on matchingdonors.com. <laughs> it's the <laughs> dating site I want to hit up after this. Dude, uh, that's so fucked. Um, and they, oh, they agreed to give uh, give him her kidney and for free, and it does save his life. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing and beyond generous, but it's so fucked up that the fate of his life basically was hanging in the balance of like a charity on the internet right like oh you, you got matched with a donor <laughs> like <laughs> like what about they swiped right <laughs> right like what about all the people on matchingdonors.com that didn't get a match and that can't legally get an organ by any other means it's like fuck and then you know the documentary just kind of ends it's like they wrap up with this really opinionated bullshit like dialogue um, that I, I just felt really weird about how they tied it all up. They then they advocate for so like, you know, fades to black. They do a couple like dumb things and then it advocates at the end for a government regulated system to compensate kidney donors that says, as a Blur song plays in the background, mm -hmm. it says kidneys would be allotted anonymously so that everyone, both rich and poor, would be able to get a transplant. Advocates believe it would get rid of the waiting list altogether. The World Health Organization opposes all efforts to legalize payments for human organs. Why did they have to use the Blur song? <laughs> You know what's funny is after watching this, like before watching this, I hadn't heard a Blur song in a long time. And after watching this, I've heard Blur like three, four times in the last week. You know Blur is the Gorillaz singer. I didn't know that. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? It's, it's, all, it's all full circle now. <laughs> Damon Albert, right? Um and then the next slide reads, all right, so this, right, this is so weird. The next slide, I don't even know if I disagree, but the next slide reads, I got, I got, I just have to make the point. So this documentary was basically like a propaganda piece for like policy change for organ transplants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I disagree with their point or not, but it took a weird turn and then like made a hard sell right at the end. Um, the next slide read, the National Kidney Foundation, the most prominent advocacy organization for kidney patients in the U.S., is against a pilot program to see if financial incentives are valuable solutions. They believe it would be a corrosive effect on the ethical, moral, and social fabric of society. <laughs> and then the last slide read. <laughs> Do you remember? While you... Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, while you listen to this podcast, about 118 people died of kidney failure. Bruh, it was such a crazy way to end a documentary. Yeah. If, they, they said, while you watch the documentary, 118 people died. It's like, I don't know. And they're, so their point. Like, damn, I should have ended it sooner. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Why'd you make me watch this? So their point of view, right, is that they believe the systems for organ transplants need to change and that they should legally be able to compensate people for their organs. It, that That's what this was all about, right? Right. I don't know. 
I think I agree. I, I think you should be able to sell shit, but it is scary. Like it, it. Yeah, there's there's once again, it's like the idea. It's good in theory, but there are so many different avenues that that could go down where it gets fucky that it's not like you said you know it that could lead to a potential where like you know poor people are selling their kidneys on the regular just to survive yeah be a dystopian world of of the future poor people of the world you're like growing limbs and then harvesting them chopping them off yeah. by then we can, we can regrow organs and we're growing our our arms and livers and kidneys like newts and chopping them off and like by the time you're 22 it's like you know a rite of passage to get your fucking kidney taken out that's how you get your down payment on a house right <laughs> that's how you go to college like sold my left arm and my <laughs> like so i'm going to community college right. <laughs> So here's the big question: Should it be legal? Where where do we where do we go? It's. I mean, my my instinct, my reflex reaction is it should. Same. Um, like I said, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of stuff to dial into that I'm just not thinking of, and you know, to to sit down and think about it long term is. You know, there could be things. I'm not worried about the the moral, you know, effect on the fabric of society no, or whatever the fuck. That's stupid. What a stupid like society blanket. We're yeah, made of. like this fabric is so dirty and smelly. Like, fuck, yeah. fuck this stupid <laughs> society this, blanket. This fabric's fucked anyway. <laughs> Please throw it in the washer. I'm saying we go to Joanne's and we pick up some new shit. <laughs> And we start selling kidneys. And all right, so and it's the whole black market thing. Like it, it's already happening. It's not, you know, like at any black market, it's going, it's going to exist. It'll thrive. Like it's not right. changing whether it happens or not. Um, yeah. And by by making it legal, it would. The fucked up part is in like, first world country shit like. It would guarantee a lot of these surgeries are done in real medical facilities. They'd be done safer. People would be getting paid, but everything about it would go a lot more smoothly. But if it was legal, like worldwide, we would see a lot of struggling countries like really taken advantage of too. Yeah. Which makes it so fucking hard to like to know how it would really like be implemented or the or the repercussions of how it would truly affect people. Now, here's how I here's how I picture this on on, you know, when you cuz when you think of the economy for it, you have to think of supply and demand, right? So like it's becomes a regulated thing, it's open market, you know, it's the the seller's seller's price, seller's market kind of thing where, mm -hmm. you know, I have something that someone wants. So you put your kidney up and you say, I'll sell my kidney for, you know, I want, you know, I don't know, 25,000. We'll just say, well, $25,000. This is what I want. Right. And then they say, okay, sure. I'll take that. And then other people like there becomes like a standard of like what it costs. And some people that are more desperate for it say like, I'll pay, Underbid, you know, yeah. 
yeah, I'll outbid to get, you know, to get that instead. Like I need it now. Um, or, um, but they're also- what you'll see instead is in people that are in uh, uh, poorer, that are more in desperate situations that are going to be like, well, I'll sell mine for $10,000. i will sell mine right. for $2,500, you know, and then the market will move there where that's when we, that's when we would see the, you know, the dystopian world, you know, for the poor, which, I mean, it looks like it's basically already there. Yeah. Just to pet it, it's in worlds that feel distant to us here in the United States, but it it's still affecting people. Right. Um, it's the same shit with like war and all that stuff. It's like, it, it, whether it's like war, drug addiction, like people that have like bad takes on like real shit. And it's like, it's because you don't fucking see it. Like, yeah, if we saw all the bombs you're dropping, or you you finally have a family member of a touch by something tragic, like your point of view changes pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because I would my guess is like in the poorer countries, there there would be such a increase in supply that the the prices would plummet, and you could see people selling vital organs because they're they're ex- at least there would be more medical checks because right now like they don't even know if your organs are healthy they could be removing a kidney you find out you needed the fucking other one that's what happened to one dude so it's like at least some of that would might be curtailed but you could also see people selling their their body parts for for very little money like that's scary like that that's why the World Health Organization or these different groups don't want to have any, I, I don't even know if they give a fuck or not, but they don't want to have any like liability in um, trying out a system that could have right. these effects. Yeah. It would change um, the world's supply of organs drastically. Yeah, absolutely. Like donating blood. Yeah. I would gladly give my shit up if I knew it was going to help anyone. I don't know if you want my dirty organs, but... (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, I need a kidney. And they're like, oh, we got this one from this guy. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe not. It's got a couple years left on it. It's got 100,000 miles, but I think you can squeeze two out. No problem. (laughs) He's he's only 29, but it's the kidney of a a 56-year-old. It's a perfect match. (laughs) I did just find out last month I have no permanent liver damage. And I was like, holy shit. that's pretty dope. They're like, your levels are fucking great. I was like, what the fuck? Like how how do I get away with that? <laughs> You're right, dude. It's crazy, like how fragile we are, but how resilient our bodies can be, also. Yeah. Do you see the thing about like um, how quickly your your lungs start to rebuild themselves after you stop smoking? Eight years, and you get yeah. most lung Which, capacity back. You know, back. that's a lot of time, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's. I just got to speed it up with HGH stem cells and steroids. <laughs> oh, boy, get you some stem cells. Dude, I'm telling you, if I get the money, <laughs> going to be doing some fun shit, man. Yeah, it is. I, I did notice a couple years, you know, I still vape, whatever, um, which still does damage, but by comparison, so little. 
but right. within like it's probably been like it's probably close to six years now but within like a year my lung capacity drastically recovered nice like i was out of breath all the time up upstairs and it's like i think this year i've biked almost four thousand miles in like the last damn son 10 months or whatever nice work thank you it's like nothing like it's hard to believe my lungs are the same lungs now you might there might be some of this in the uh the edit this week but um i'm i sound like i'm out of breath because i didn't have my uh my fucking my nose clams nasal spray (laughs) you gotta take them nose clams and I'm sitting here, and I have to turn my AC off, so, like, my, my room's all hot now, and, like, I haven't been able to breathe it's so, through my nose proper for, like, the last hour. It's so hot. We both have to turn off our ACs and fans to, like, oh. not get background noise. And there's times, like, I'm just in my boxers. Like, I'll wear a shirt, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> got that Zoom call, man. That's <laughs> oh, so ridiculous. I was thinking uh, as I started getting warm earlier, like, man, at what point am I going to pop this shirt off? Right. <laughs> Take off my fucking headphones and try not to hit the mic. <laughs> so I think our, our gut instinct is that it probably should be legal, but it is scary what fallout there could be. Right. I, I don't feel like confident in my decision on this. I, d- I don't... Yeah, that's what you know, Sam. Because th- the problem is, to to regulate it, you need government involvement, which means government's getting a cut of it. Yeah. And people are that's making, also bad. The medical system will be incentivized to transplant as many organs as right. they can. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would yield my position to literally anyone who knew more than me on this one. But yeah. Um I I know you put this in the notes, but I, I think it does go without saying that the donor should never be punished. Yeah. And so far it's the, not the yeah, the the prosecutors in the different cases um they they had declined to go after any of the organ donors. There were times they forced the organ recipients to cooperate under threat of prosecution, but it seemed like they never really wanted to prosecute anyone except the organizations. And, yeah. and that's kind of what I alluded to er- earlier. So they said Dr. Yusuf, the Dr. Fulcher... They said it was all, you know, criminal mastermind in done by these criminal organizations, and, and it's always framed like, oh, it's this group of uh, Turkish gangsters running these organ clinics, right? They're they're worldwide. Right. They're in all these countries, and he's like, like, yeah, technically we're organized uh, criminals, but it's just because my nurses and doctors' are office are all part of what they're saying is illegal. Like right, that that to me is kind of interesting because I'm sure there are groups of organized criminals strictly trying to make money off selling organs illegally. Yeah, but, but I would imagine most of it, the most of the criminal organizations are just the the hospitals or doctors willing to do a surgery that is on the margins of the law or technically illegal. Yeah, but it's it's kind of a it changes your perception to call that organized crime too. Yeah, like yeah, it, that's uh, 
It's a, it feels it feels almost harsh considering the um it's loaded. Yeah, it's it's loaded is exactly right. But it makes it hard to get an accurate read because if if we use loaded language in you know our news stories. So the only other the other side of the coin is do you take the cr- the criminal his side of the story? Like it's pretty fucking hard to know what actually went on. Right. Like who the fuck knows? I don't I don't think the documentary could even get to the bottom of that. Like and we, then you know you even you can talk to like the donors who if you know if it's a if it's a crime then the victims here are the donors right so the the right yeah so you know you can even most, talk to yeah. them but like if they're being you know pressured to you know to not you know to to not speak out about or to not you know uh, condemn the actions of then. That also changes it. Like even like you know they talked about like oh this was it was shitty but like they don't it's not that they you know uh, um, regret it or whatever they just they they want to talk about it. Right. There's a lot of questions with that. Like uh, could they you know if it really was done by the surgeries done by uh, uh, hardcore criminals they could be you know really pressured not to speak up against it but it it seemed like most of the time they were fairly happy with how things happened yeah i'm sure there's you know edge cases all fucking over but um it, it that makes it even more confusing what well, my biggest question is how many fucking people died that we don't know about right like out of even if this particular doctor, these particular doctors at this clinic, it, it's something like maybe like it was like eight hundred out of the near four thousand, so like less than twenty percent of their surgeries. Um, but that's still a lot. Twenty percent of their surgeries were basically illegal transplantations. So out of twenty percent of all their surgeries. Do you think a couple people died or had permanent repercussions? Like, you know, people die in these surgeries, yeah. even if everything's done right. Yeah, if they, you know, even if they make it out of the surgery, you know, complications afterward and shit like that. Right, and there's no liability or follow-up. It's all just like, at least if say, it was legal. If, if there, one of them dies, like, mid, I mean, I guess they, they can transplant the kidney after death. I was going to say, that doesn't mean right. that the donor... Or the the um, receiving the receiver would be fucked, but like, I wonder how many like donors were just like uh, thrown in a garbage chute at a hospital. <laughs> 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 like fuck this dude, <laughs> this dude just oh, fucking shit. died on us. Throw him down the garbage chute. Fuck him. Well, they still had to, like you said. Like I mean, like in in this case, like they had you know documentation on them. But, you know, I'm sure there are many that didn't. Right. Um, I was going to say, they, they still had, like, you know, they knew that they were, this person was in the hospital. Like, <laughs> they didn't just make them disappear. <laughs> that would be even worse. I just really like the idea of, like, doctors, like, making a mistake and killing a patient. They just throw them down those garbage chutes in the hall. It's hallways. like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Start over. Give, Give me, me a, a new, new one. one. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> So that's what those are for. Oh fucking shit, man! When uh when I was at uh that that rehab you visited me at, every week they would make us go to the VA for these stupid fucking AA meetings, 
and it was cool though because the it was one of the only places sick dog yeah it was one of the only times you would get out all week and the the hospital has has phones everywhere so everyone would sneak off at the AA meetings and go on random floors of the hot. You just basically they would release fifty <laughs> junkies into the VA, and we would all cover for each other and scatter through the building like mice to find phones, <laughs> just to call people and like just yeah. Fucking it, it was mostly people calling their girlfriends or family, but there'd be like people calling up dope dealers to the VA. It was just shenanigans, Damn. bro. Like. You can't let 50 junkies loosen like mice into the VA. It was so funny. Every week somebody would get like violate probation or what. It was just a mess. But the the VA staff hated it. <laughs> yeah, I can fucking imagine. <laughs> it was real funny though. Everybody oh, would walk fuck. in and then you'd see everybody split to different floors, elevators, stairwells. <laughs> Damn. Oh, such a trip. So, one of the big things that I thought was worth covering was just the, the black market aspect. I'm just, I don't know, man, I believe in freedom. I think I may not like this country, but I'm a true American. <laughs> I believe in freedom to buy and sell whatever I want, whether it's legal or illegal. Dude, you know what? I, you know how American I am? I was uh, I was looking online for um, there's a cologne I like a lot, um, and I've had the same bottle for the last like five years now because they don't make it anymore. It's McGraw by Tim McGraw. <laughs> Dude, that's a fucking hilarious. Well, you know so, how American so now I am. I'm looking I'm looking at buying it. And I gotta buy it from a scalper. It used to be like twenty five bucks at the fucking Walmart. Now it's now it's a uh, uh, like a hundred and fifty dollars an ounce. Um, what you on uh, Craigslist or uh, yeah, basically yeah, eBay and shit. Looking it's, for, and it's like it's open. It's been opened. It's like I'm not paying a hundred and eighty dollars for something that's been opened. Have you lost your goddamn mind? I need five vials of Tim McGraw's. Right. <laughs> That's how American I am. Anyways, the um, yeah, I don't the. Like I said, I I I think if I were to make the decision to go and and sell my kidney, I should be able to do it. As you mean, like if I can donate it for free, I guess that's fine too. But like, I if I could get paid for it, man, fuck, I would rather get paid for it. Obviously. Yeah, like if if you needed a kidney, I would probably give you one, but it would help a lot if they paid me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like it would it would have to be me paying you. Like it's that's something is like if I needed a kidney, I mean you can wait for a free one. I'm, right. not, I'm not sure if even you know how much you would pay. I don't think you're paying for the kidney and the transplant. You're you're paying for the the labor of them to. You know, kill someone and yank. Yeah, you gotta pay a premium on this one, dog. We gotta scra- go to scrape up kid. a fucking somebody from a car accident and bring him in. And- <laughs> you want to be kidney bros? If one of us kidney needs a kidney, bros. 
let's just let's just uh trade kidneys just for the funsies of it just like those german twins just let's just fucking trade them <laughs> how about you get three and i'll keep keep one and that way you can keep the third one you can keep the third one warm for a it's, while that's a that's an extra one to get stones in this is all it is <laughs> an extra net for all the stones i i also oh, thought fuck. it's an in- interesting question is do you think the money aspect of paid transplants makes it less altruistic? Like, does money inherently make things, like, less genuinely moral? Or... Um... Because it feels I mean, it definitely... Yeah, it has that connotation for sure, but I... I mean... It's, it's something that's like, I would... That I would do, um, anyways, if I knew for sure it was going to go to somebody or whatever, like, I would, I would definitely do it. Um, but it's, like, the only reason I'm not doing it is because, like, I, I stand to lose out on that. Like, it sounds like a good thing to do for people, and, you know, if someone close to me came to me and said, like, you know, I need a kidney or whatever, and you're a match... I would be like, all right, sure. But if it's just like a, you know, like match dot, you know, not match dot com. Uh, the <laughs> I get all my organs off match dot com. That's the best place. You need a liver. It's <laughs> fucking eHarmony. They're good for the kidneys. But. Yeah, man. We need, they don't even need to. Uh, they don't even need to, you know, really say that they're, they got it. They just... You know, if you you cast a wide net and you bring in a lot of people, you know, you can find out their blood type. There's tons of ways to find out their blood type. Yeah. You know, plenty of fish that kidney transplant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I if I went on uh, matchingdonors.com and, you know, found somebody to donate my fucking kidney to, like, I don't. I, I wouldn't do that because like I, like I said, I, I stand to lose from that. I'd need the the motivation motivating factor for me would be like if someone said, Oh, but you'll get like Well that's the question is how much? How much? How much to for me to, to, to sell a kidney to someone I don't know. Yeah, what would it what would it take? Now, you, you just recently got down on a house, so yeah. you have some figures that, you know, some things that you can compare to. What would it take for you to sell your shit? So, would, what would you do? I kidney, mean, liver? I assume kidney. Yeah, if we're talking kidney, if we're talking like I'm, someone came to me and said, I'll give you this much for your kidney. It would, I mean, honestly, like I would, I would consider it for a hundred thousand, but I don't think I would take it for a hundred thousand. You'd be like, "Oh, I'll sell it to you for a hundred thousand." Psych, psych, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. They, they, they take, they take their their kidney out, and then I'm standing over them on the operating table, like psych, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm good. I changed my mind. I changed my mind, dog. Now you only got one. <laughs> so a hundred thousand is like consideration levels. Um, now, cons- yeah. Now, It'd have what, to be six figures for sure. 
Yeah. Now, what about the other big one? Uh, this is a new one, but I actually know someone that looked at doing this because you can do it. From what I understand, you can do it in the U.S., but like I, I don't I don't know how it works because it's not legal for profit here. But there are ways people sell things here still. Like I I don't know if it's through like private clinics, but I mm. I know you can get cu- cut a check for selling shit in the U.S. still. But um, testicles, people sell one of their balls. Oh wow! And they get it replaced with a, a squishy one, a little a uh, squishy one, like a breast implant. A little squeak, squeak. <laughs> I <laughs> like mean, a little dog toy down there. But I mean, the difference is, I mean, this is also going to show my lack of knowledge in anatomy and how it works. But like, there's a difference between that and like a vasectomy, where a vasectomy, like, You're you fine. still, you yeah. still jizz. Yeah, yeah. There's just nothing in it. That's gonna make life or whatever. If if they take your balls, does that mean you can't you can't jizz? Well, I think if no, you still do, but you wouldn't have sperm. But if you had okay, if you have one ball, you still would. Like you still could have a child with one ball. I guess I don't know. I don't know, like the like what are like the repercussions of not having a testicle is it like you know testosterone yeah yeah, testosterone that's is that that that's the main i don't think it's like you produce half you know what i mean like i think yeah people say you're fine with one but i still would imagine it makes a big difference but if if you're selling um i'd imagine they have um like a post operation care where you're probably taking testosterone you know trt the rest of your life yeah it's interesting, uh, but I, yeah, that's the kind of thing. Is like if I'm have to, if it's if it requires maintenance afterward, that jacks up the price. Like that's the yeah. only reason why I would want so much for the kidney. Is like I I you know there could there's complications that can arise from that, and it's going to be harder to face certain complications without the kidney. So that's that's what makes it, you know, less you know uh, um, lucrative to me to, to to do unless you know that's. I get paid more with the, the testicle thing is like, I'm, I'm almost more willing to do that than the, kidney. the kidney, mostly because like, it's not a vital organ. Right. No, I mean, I, I you kind know, of get that too. yeah, it's like, I, I, I don't want to say like, Oh, I would so rather do that. But like in my head, it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to die without it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I no, that, said, that being said, I wouldn't do it for less than I would do for the kidney, though. I always said, no, it's not like people see my balls all the time. And I was like, people don't see my kidneys either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. I don't know about you, man, but people see my balls all, all the time. <laughs> it's a daily thing. No, uh, I don't I know. On, uh, I get on TikTok. <laughs> If I was in, if I was actively using drugs, I would have sold my shit cheap. Um, as long as I can get paid, you know, that day, I'd go for yeah. maybe two hundred, two hundred bucks. Take it or leave it. <laughs>
I got these cheeseburgers, man. <laughs> All right, but now I'm thinking like I've spent the last two weeks in an in an office by myself just typing data, right? Mm-hmm. Put 80 hours in the last two weeks. I've got nothing done. Hardly any art done. Minimal podcast time. Life's stupid as shit. I'm bored. I'm, I'm keeping my mind occupied. But if this was the rest of my life, I know it's temporary, so it's no big deal. Whatever. Need some money? It's easy. Whatever. But if this was the rest of my life, just kill me now. Just kill me now. If I could... <laughs> A fucking dust job for two weeks. <laughs> oh, it's a death sentence for an artist uh, of my caliber. <laughs> God damn. If I could have literally a doghouse, if I could have a plot, (laughs) if I could have a plot of land with a doghouse on it, and it cost thirty thousand dollars, and I could live, (laughs) I could live in that little doghouse the rest of my life and not have to worry about bills. Just it's just you, you in a doghouse and a modem (laughs) and some. I was better at fucking Wi-Fi <laughs> with, with some Wi-Fi and some uh, some fucking uh, uh, and, a, and a, the, your laptop with your fucking Photoshop on it. <laughs> I'd be good. That's it. So if if I had to sell a kidney to get that, and it changed my life, like like I could see how it could even a, a moderate amount of money can really change people's lives too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's I mean like that's that's also what I'm thinking is like I would need at least 2 years salary. I feel like that's a pretty thing. good rule of thumb. Give me give me 2 years vacation. You know. Oh, that's the other thing is like you you're going to need time off work anyways to recover. I'm not sure how, how long it takes <laughs> to recover from fucking kidney removal surgery. Lost of wages, transportation, meal yeah. fee. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, but you know, you're also gonna need, you know, that's the other one is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop working, you know, for two years after that, you, because that's like, this is like in case shit happens, money. At that point, that's your, that's your insurance. In case you need to buy a new liver. Yeah, in case you need to buy a new shit. It's like, oh fuck, now I need that other kidney. Fuck, now I need to get a kidney. God damn. No buybacks. <laughs> All sales are final, bitch. You know that's a thing. So if I if I you know donate a kidney to somebody and they get it and then they end up having complications uh, and they die, do I get my fucking kidney back? I don't know. There's no warranties. <laughs> <laughs> Manufacturer's warranty on a kidney. Yeah, but black black markets are void after opening. (laughs) Say that again. It's void after opening. You ever seen that on a thing? Yeah. You break the fucking seal. Warranty's void, man. I can't get that back. They just stamp it and throw it in (sighs) you. Black markets are bullshit, though. It's all like anytime you make something illegal, it's for the worse. It's if it like you said if, if it puts if it puts money. Uh, it takes money out of the hands of uh, people that are working or people that are creating or giving something and gives it to people that are taking it from them. 
that's that's fucked. That's the I mean that's basically what black market is, right? It's middlemen that are profiting off of yeah, someone else's whatever. I th- I feel like I've asked you this before, but do, where do you stand with people in general? Do you do you think people are I fucking in- hate people. But do you think Is that what you meant? <laughs> I, I was think- just trying to make a joke, but I think that's what you meant. <laughs> and I generally agree. But do you do you think people are naturally good or bad? Like if you had to give it a percentage. Um bad. You lean towards And, and bad. I I don't think it's like they're intentionally like hostile and manipulative. I think that they just are manipulative by yeah, by nature. And yeah. it's it's more of a control of like not to do that. And it's I feel like I get because I feel like some of that myself, like there are definitely times when I think like, oh, you know, the only reason that I'm not rich is because I'm not a manipulative because I'm not willing to be manipulative and be shitty. Yeah. Like if I was willing to go through the, the effort of starting a cult, yeah, I could, you know, easily make some fucking money. I think I'm smart enough to do it. Um, for sure. But anyways, if if <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I, I feel like if they're not I don't know. I feel like more than anything, my problem with people uh lately has been that like wow people are so much stupider than i ever realized and like over the last like three years or so like three to five years um in particular the last two um it's just seeing how fucking dumb people are um you know and it's when you when you start working as an adult also or when you're you know become an adult and you realize that like oh everyone's no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Everyone's faking it till they make it. No one has any fucking idea how to do their job or, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so wild to me We're all how, how lost. often, yeah. How often, you know, so much of my life has been like waiting for someone else to figure out what the fuck they need to do or, you know, waiting, you know, other people that don't know what the fuck they're doing, getting in the, getting in the way of people that do, um, that always bothered me. Um, and my patience has decreased over time. I do I think I do really well with the the customer service thing where like if I'm dealing with someone for you know, you your 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 initial meeting with someone, you know, there's always like a you know, you give people the benefit of the doubt, you treat everyone, you know, equally and you you know, oh, how you doing? You know, uh, what can I do for you? You know, make little jokes back and forth. But then some people are just so fucking dumb. Yeah. Like people that like don't read the menu or they, you know, they read the fucking menu and then they still like say, you know, here, here's one that I don't, I don't really quite get because it's happened in multiple restaurants I worked at. But people say that, oh, I have, uh, we have like a menu item called the buzz kale and they were like, oh, I'll have the kale buzz. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how the fuck you got that. You dyslexic piece of shit. Okay, I mean, like I get. I mean, like get the fuck. <laughs> and maybe that's it. But it's the. Uh, but people do it all the time. And like the other one is uh, the last restaurant. There was one called the uh, the Healthy Heart Bowl, and people would call all the time when they'd say, "Can I get the heart, heart healthy. healthy Bowl?" And it's like <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Like it's not that hard. So I, I, I I've got it. 
Okay. I was gonna say when people say like, "Oh, um, is it is this everything?" And like they're looking at the menu, and it's like, "Nah, dog, we got a whole secret menu back here, man. We were just waiting for someone to ask." <laughs> Like, yeah, dude, that's it. Do y'all have lemonade? Do you see lemonade anywhere on this goddamn menu? The fuck are you talking about? Wait, right there. I'll go get some lemons. Yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. Here, let me just pull this lemonade out of my ass. Let me just piss in this cup for you here. Got you. So I think I've kind of landed on, right? Like, I, I generally hate people. Oh yeah, that's I, what that's that's how we got here. I hate people. <laughs> I would be so dude, I feel like people see me and they just think I'm a thug all the time. Like I feel like I'd be so bad at the customer service because my like rest like I'm Dude, really, they should have seen you in high school. I know. I, <laughs> I'm like really chill in general. Like if you know me, I'm super fucking chill. But like I feel like it's like out of habit of like how I used to be like, but as soon as I walk out of the house, I'm like angry face. (laughs) Like I look over at people in traffic and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like all the time. And I'm like, Oh, I forgot. Like I'm looking so angry right now. Yeah. (laughs) Like I would be so bad at customer service. Cause I just don't think I could like, like I'm in self protection mode Mm -hmm. all the time. And I feel like, uh, I definitely, I feel like both of us have an inclination to see the worst in people, and there's plenty of that in the world to see. But I, I especially when you immerse yourself in people, yeah. And I kind of think, I think I land though that people, I think it's really 50 50. Like, I, I do think there, like, there is a lot of good shit. It's just harder to see because, because everyone else is lost too. Yeah, and I, I I agree. I think there is a lot of good, you know. I think for the most part, people, and maybe not for the most part, but I think a lot of people have good intentions, you know, but they don't think out their actions enough, you know, to to you know to what end that it's going to cause for other people, and whether that's you know just looked at as. Uh, you know, an act of self uh, selfishness or an act of, um, you know, ignorance is is different perspectives on that, or different, you know, case to case, probably. But yeah, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like also, you know, you were saying in you know the customer service thing, it it makes you feel, um. You know, you you wouldn't do well at it. The difference is, um, I never thought I would either. Um, the difference for me is that I realize that where when I'm talking to a customer, I'm in the position of power mm-hmm. um, because I I'm they're coming to me to pay me money. They're coming to me to for a, a product or a, a service. So you know that customer is always right. Bullshit. It's not. That doesn't fly. Um, you know, if they have a question or something, like I'm the I have the answers for them. I have, you know, I, I have all this shit. If they want to try to undermine me or my shit, I can Im- immediately just say, Oh no, I don't feel comfortable selling to you. Right. You know, oh no, I'm not I'm not playing that shit. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of my restaurant. <laughs> Sir, this is a farmer's market. <laughs> uh, but I think 
Like, I wouldn't have thought you would be good at it either, but I think there is something to, like, I, I look back at myself and I'm amazed, the, and other people, I'm amazed the ways we can adapt to things we wouldn't naturally have been inclined towards. And I mm-hmm. think if my passion led me to need to be around people more, I would have adapted to it. Like, even if it wasn't something that would be your natural inclination, you figure it out. Yeah. Right? And there there are definitely days where it's much, much harder. It's always somewhat of a challenge. It's not like a, you know, just a natural reflex. It's still like it's a forced thing. Some days it's just harder to force it than others. And I, I I think this conversation is kind of like what brings me to that. Right, even under the base assumption, half of people are good, right? Which is kind of like yeah, a gracious, I, like way to put it. Yeah, I feel like I definitely go back and forth on that too. Yeah, depends on the I day. I feel like I always have. So let's say fifty percent is charitable, though. It's, it's not even fifty percent, but we're being charitable. Yeah. If selling your organs doesn't have to function as a black market. A lot of the stuff to come from it would be good, um, but a lot of the other stuff would get really fucking dark. Yeah. But how, how is that different than how shit already is, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's fucking weird, though. It, Imagine- doesn't, it doesn't take a, a majority shareholder of assholes. It just takes, a, a, you know, a um, the people with a majority of the – the people that have the majority of the power – or wealth to democratize the to, livers to, to, to make it shitty, <laughs> dude. Imagine like the future though, when we're like three D printing like extra limbs and upgrades oh, and shit, and you can go to the deli and they got oh they got a fresh liver for you. This one will get you, you know, thirty years. You know, so I was thinking like they're growing meat out of plants and stuff now. So like, when are they going to start growing? organs i mean like they can 3d print things that like you know they already like 3d print like heart stems and stuff like that or whatever but like i don't know if that's the right thing that i just said but they're they're 3d printing body parts yeah did you have you seen the ones where they're growing uh the human ears on the side of a rat no dude that this was like five years ago i i I saw that i didn't think it was real though it's real man damn they're they're printing organs now i don't know if that's fucking terrifying i I think only a handful of specific like experimental surgeries have they used 3d printed things or like cloned organs but I, i know the rat like i don't know if those ears were transplantable but they were they were Growing ear cells that took the shape of an ear on the side of a rat. Like, damn, we're there, man. It's just, yeah, that's wild shit. The, I, I said that's terrifying earlier, and I didn't, I didn't even mean the science of it's terrifying. I just meant the, the image of it is terrifying. It's <laughs> visually disturbing. It's a terrifying fucking world, man. Scary shit, dog. I, I like the idea of the black market stuff, though. It's just interesting. I like uh, like shadow trade, weird shit. Underground Crypto- barter system, dog. Crypto money. 
crypto money. <laughs> Hide the paper trail, bookie notebooks, anything shady like that. I'm I'm into. <laughs> uh, oh, fucking a. Um, yeah. At least you don't I have think- to get any organs now. We're good for a little while. Yeah, we're oh. good for a minute. Uh, so in my the the shitty book I'm writing, my character needs a liver. So this is how we got on to this whole documentary as I was looking shit up. Like, how the fuck am I going to get this, dude? Okay. I was wondering how you find shit like this sometimes. (laughs) My thought process. I wish I had it written out, like, what the fuck my Google search is like. (laughs) Because it is a weird (laughs) path, man. Um, So I got to get my dude a liver. And I'm like, all right, looking up some things. Like, how the fuck do I find a liver? Um, So... The best way, I th- so let's say you're a bank robber. You got shot during the heist. You're bleeding out. And, you know, normally they're like, oh, you go to the, the dog vet will stitch you up. You know what I mean? That kind of deal. Like you yeah, have a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a vet on the side who does your, your quick stitch up. So let's say you get stitched up. The vet's looking at you. He's like, your liver's been nicked. You're, you're going to die. You need a new liver. Where do you go? Right, short notice. You don't got the money. You have your your bank robbery money. You made out, but the bank was short that day. You got like ten grand. What do you do? And you need you need the liver in like twenty four hours. What's your move? Are you, are you asking me this? Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you're bleeding out. You're stitched up, but you know you got twenty four hours to get this liver. You got Dude. ten grand in twenty four hours. I have ten grand and I have twenty four hours. Um, I'm taking a, a, a fucking cab over to uh, the next. I say I wouldn't. Place? Yeah, going to your place. Like I don't know. Like I guess if I go, I, I think the survival instinct would kick in, and I'd end up going to a hospital. I, like I know I want to get busted and go to yeah. jail, right? Yeah, but, you're, like you're doing your ten years in, eight, eight, you know, eight to ten. In, in you the, know, survival instincts yard. is saying like, "Fuck, I need to go to a hospital." Yeah, it's, either, it's that choice or die. You know, what? If, what if uh, you, you guys killed a security guard in the robbery? It, it it got botched, and you know you're looking at death row. It's either death row or die on the spot. I guess yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on hours. what else is going on in my life right then. What else do I have to live for? Is it me right now? And I, because like I think there's steps in between me to you know going to work today and or coming home from work today, and I'm robbing a bank and shot a guy. <laughs> it's a good day. It's a fun it's a, day. <laughs> it's a good day. So in reading, here's my solution. In yeah. reading, uh, Jessica, uh, whatever her name is. Her paper, it led me to some other research, and apparently a lot of the organ supply in the chain of like where they get these organs from, it's most often living donors getting paid cash, right? But there's also a ton of it from the medical system itself. Do you remember that big scandal of uh, Planned Parenthood where that stupid like Veritas whatever uh had footage of Planned Parenthood selling abortion parts, and it was a major. No. It was a major scandal, and it was all fake and taken out of context. 
and Planned Parenthood was able to sue this Republican news agency for like a millions because for like months and months it was in the news that they were selling abortion cells and shit. Wow. And it all turned out to be fake. But in the medical industry, there is a lot of um, clinics, doctors, and different places that do sell some organ stuff legally and illegally for research. Mm -hmm. Apparently, one of the biggest sources they've found that sells organs illegally. So this these stats would only have been found from places that got busted doing it. And the biggest one that people were getting busted selling organs from was funeral homes. Oh, wow. Because, you know, you're prepping the the corpse for a funeral. They're not, no one's going to notice, depending, especially it's if like it's a close. like we said earlier, you just take that shit. Yeah, they can take a, you know, a liver slice or a cornea sample or, you know, things that aren't going to easily be seen. And unless the body is exhumed or someone, you know, there are inspections, of course. But if you're in a position of power, you could manipulate that fairly easily. Right. So... You're bleeding out. You got 24 hours to get the liver. You take you take your 10 grand. You get a taxi. You go to the nearest shitty looking funeral home. You knock politely with a nice suit on, and then you take the funeral director hostage. And then you get that liver, and you know you make them take it from a fresh corpse, something that fits your blood type, and then you got to find somebody to do the surgery. How but- many fucking corpses do they have fresh on hand at this funeral home? On it, it, not that many. It's probably 10 at a time. But they're all in different stages. You would need a male that fits your blood type. You might be going funeral to funeral home all day, all afternoon. Now, is that a thing that you have to have a... It would have to be a male? It has to be the same... That's a good question. I assume Biological so. gender. I don't think they... I don't, it doesn't... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There, there have been cases... Um, I think we mentioned it on our simulation theory where you get someone else's organs and you develop memories and things of the other person's life. Like very... Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Very small things. or I forget what the other cases were. You develop like physical symptoms of like the organ remembering its owner. But I don't know if you have to be... I would assume... If they have the choice, they're going to do a male kidney for a male kidney. But I don't know. The yeah, size I don't, difference. I don't think that it, it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference because um, uh, what was it they were talking about to Walter's daughter about getting the donation for her, or donating Maybe. her kidney? Yeah. It was an what option if, that she, she just didn't want to do. What if you're a big man you get a little kidney? <laughs> <laughs> this kidney's not got enough torque for me for, for this ride. <laughs> Not enough horsepower for this boy, boy. Uh, my stones are going to get stuck in this thing for sure. <laughs> this can't handle my stones. Oh, fuck. Oh, fucking Jesus. I enjoyed this one a lot. I thought yeah, this, this was fun. Yeah. Um, We got some cool... I got some really weird ideas to talk to you about coming up. All right, um, I'm down. One of the big ones, I'll throw it out. Real quick, free will philosophy. Oh, just in, I thought, okay, I was trying to f- wait and figure out who Will was. 
Um, Free my boy Will. <laughs> yeah, hey, Will. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I think we, we've neat. touched on it enough, and a, and a couple of things that I, I think we have. Uh, you know, we we've opened that discussion. Yeah, that Pandora's box of uh, <laughs> nonsense. Of nonsense. <laughs> Of perspective-based nonsense. <laughs> right. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to touch on? Um, get the fuck out of here? No, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um. I did want... We did get... You know, we've been up and running, what, nine months, ten months? Something uh, like yeah. that. Yeah. And neither of us, you know, had any audience. The the Trash Cats, we got our, our first 1,000 plays this last month. Fuck yeah. I think like exciting. 10 months, but like not like published for 10 months. Yeah, we started yeah. 10 months. Like even ago. just like doing like practice recordings and stuff. Like we've been published for like a six. Maybe like closer f- to nine. It's like February. I think January is when we started releasing stuff, wasn't it? January, February, yeah. I want to say it was February, at least the end of January. Because I we. We, we, we might have numbers. uploaded some things beforehand, but we didn't advertise or tell anybody about it. Yeah. But I feel like, uh, I feel like we, had a, we got a pretty good start going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. S- slow, steady. I feel like we did pretty good for, for two dummy trash cats in our first so many months. And uh, just wanted to say thanks to the people listening. And if, right. uh, if you've made it this far and you feel so inclined, I'm not going to tell you what to do because... We believe in, in freedom. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to tell one fellow, our, a comrade trash cat, about this shitty podcast, feel free. You know, and, and Steven's nice about it. I'm, I'm telling you, I am going to tell you what to do. And even if even <laughs> if you don't... Cup. Even if you don't... Yeah, cup, bad cup. If, if, even if you don't know someone that would be, like, interested in this, like, that was always an issue for me with, like, some of the things that I was interested in that were trying to grow, and it's like, no one I know is gonna also like this. Or, like, I don't have, you know, I'm not close enough with people that I, that I would know that they would like this or not. Um, even if you don't know that they would like it or you don't think that they would, just, you know, put this in somebody's, you know, face and, you know, yeah. tell them, hey, you definitely should check out this. You would love this. You're and a real gonna be piece like, of shit. That was shit. a really shitty recommendation. <laughs> yeah. You're a real <laughs> like, piece oh, of shit. Oh, my bad. Dog. I think you would love this podcast. Yeah. You, no. you seem like an asshole. You'd like this podcast. <laughs> I feel like our, our niche kind of became, it's like uh, trashy people, artists, um, anti-theist, terrorists. Um, Somehow people that like Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine listening to this show if you liked Andy Warhol? <laughs> it's so much fun though so thank you guys for listening um that's it yeah fuck yeah man all right thanks y'all uh thanks again for listening and uh thank you to approaching human for the use of his music you can find his work on soundcloud at approaching dash human thank you john and but he's got uh that psychedelic dracula e-song fuck yeah He's got another one. He's he's making more stuff in that vein that I'm really excited about. So we'll Dope. play some more of that soon. And we got a song by our homie David coming up soon. Yeah, man. Cool. Boy, David Blake. David Blake music on Instagram. That's the homie, man. 
Uh, you can also uh, make sure to check out our show page at Trash Cats Trash Cast on Instagram for news and art from the show. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. And if you're bored, you can check out my trashy art on Instagram at SKYZICX. Hopefully there'll be new stuff soon, but I got to... I got a jailbreak out of this office first real quick. And uh, uh, shouts out to, I got to scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, our artist, uh, what was it, Moldova, I believe. Uh, we'll share the link. That that piece was super cool. Um, uh, and the artist does some other cool stuff. And then uh, shouts out to, to cows and zebras. <laughs> Hell yeah, cows and zebras. <laughs> Good stuff. Um uh, tune in next Wednesday for our episode on where are we at in the cycle? That's what we got to talk about. We got to figure that out. We'll yeah. figure it out. It's going to be an episode. It's going to be uh, so good. It's going to be dope regardless. You already know. I, I uh, was telling, uh, that's what it was. I was telling Sarah the other day, I was like, I'm so American. I'm going to take up arms against our state. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn right, boy. American trash cats. Um. <laughs> that's going to be all for us today. <laughs> Stay classy, eat trashy. Go fast, eat trashy. Fuck it. Roll the dice, baby. Yeah.